And now, Jalen and Jacoby on ESPN Radio. Where the fuck is Trump? Head the deck. Worry about my posse getting jumped. Because if we ever do, yo, TV, pop the trunk. Because we make a pop the trunk and hit the sweep. Now act stupid, I'll pop the trunk. <laughs> give me your Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to Jalen and Jacoby. Jalen Rose out because he was on TV late last night on ABC ESPN all weekend long. We have the honor of having Damon Jones in studio right now. Thanks so much for doing the show, Damon. Man, I'm glad I'm here and uh, glad I can replace Jalen today. So we're going to have you you thinking media, you thinking we're going back to the bench. Which one's it going to be? Uh, I want to go back to the bench, but until then, I enjoy doing media. Yeah. It's been good. Been good. really good. I, it's I a, it's it. a lot harder to get fired here. You know, it's a lot harder to get fired <laughs> in the media than it is because you know how it is. Because you were you were on the, the coaching staff of the Cavs. Yeah. You guys are winning championships. Everything's uh-huh. good. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, uh, a little shakeup, mm-hmm. and then you're out of town. Yeah, you're out of town, and it, and it's sad that you know we went to four straight finals, and then uh, we got six games, and mm-hmm. we were on six to start the season, and then we were let go. But you know what? They they went in a different direction. It's okay. And since then, I've created myself uh doing media now good what are you, are you doing local stuff in houston too no oh all espn stuff good, uh, good. the network has been good to me giving me an opportunity to come out and uh, uh show my personality as well as you know my knowledge of the game of basketball are we flying you first class yes all right we gotta get that in the contract we I gotta make sure it. we gotta make sure that's in the contract yes it we gotta is. make sure it's in the contract that changed the game for me when that got in the contract i was like yes, i'll fly anywhere you want sure let's do it <laughs> of course well we got a lot to talk about starting with a playoff atmosphere in milwaukee on abc a three-letter network the bucks hosted the 76ers and the two big men went back and forth two extremely skilled seven footers putting up huge numbers. Here's a play that a lot of people are talking about. We got the hook shot over Simmons. Simmons and Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo, all three of them put on an absolute show. But it was the 76ers, powered by 40 and 15 from Joel Embiid, that overcame the 52 from Giannis Antetokounmpo. This felt like a playoff series. Mm -hmm. This felt like something that we could see later on in the season. Right Between these two teams... Who would you pick in a seven-game series? I would pick the Philadelphia 76ers. Really? And and I say that because they have nobody for Embiid. And if he's getting the basketball in the paint, he's creating uh, double teams. You have J.J. Redick out there shooting the basketball. Jimmy Mm -hmm. Butler can make shots. And I I just don't think over a seven-game series they're going to be able to stop him. See, I do agree with you, but... You look at the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm-hmm. They have the best record in the NBA. Yeah. They'll be the number one seed. They're going to have home court advantage. Why is it that people like myself just kind of don't believe they're the best <laughs> team in the Eastern Conference? Because do they have a go-to guy? Giannis. They have a guy who scores, but in a close game down the stretch, you're down two points or the game is tied. Can you give Greek Freak the basketball and tell him to go get you two Quality points or two free throws. Well, probably what's going to happen is they'll give him the ball, and then his defender backs off him and says, "If you want to shoot, you can shoot." Yeah, he's going to have to make it. And, and if you got to drive, that. we're going to collapse, and you're going to have to kick it out. I mean, has he showed a consistency of making the the jump shot, mid range or three point shot? Mm-hmm. Now they they added Lopez in the off season, mm-hmm. but really, what it feels like the biggest off season acquisition for them was Coach Bud. Now you're yeah. someone who's coaching the NBA, so you know how this works much better than people like me do. Right? What has he done from last year to this year? Changed this team so dramatically. Well, I think number one, he picked up the tempo. 
And because of it, Giannis is getting more uh, opportunities to go one-on-one at people in transition instead of having to play in a half court yep. and grind it out every possession. And what he's done is he's opened the floor for Giannis to be Giannis, drive the basketball, and when you get double teams, he's kicking it out. You got guys making three-point shots, Brogdon, mm-hmm. uh, Middleton, uh, Bledsoe, those guys are making shots. And Lopez. And, and Lopez. And, yeah. and that's why they are, uh, number one right I now. I think one of the, one of the things about them is Brogdon did a lot for them. He's not yeah. the household name that the Greek freak is. Yeah. And he, you know, he's not like, not sexy like Lopez being a seven footer yeah. shooting threes, but Brogdon did played a lot of minutes for them, played a lot of defense for them and got buckets for them. And they're going to miss him as he's going to be out. Yeah, yeah. They are going to miss him, but I tell you what, um, I coached George Hill last mm-hmm. year. And he's going to be able to help them. A guy that's been in the wars, been in the yeah. battles, in the playoffs, and uh, you know he was in the finals with us last year, and he saw what it what it took and what it feels like to be in, in that atmosphere. So I, I look for him to step up and, and play big minutes. And look at the Seventy Sixers. Um, they've got four stars. They've got Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, of course Simmons and Embiid. They have had. Mm-hmm. Do you expect them to bring back Butler and Harris after this season? Because they're both going to want big deals. Wow. That's the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you choose Tobias Harris probably over Butler uh, because you have to keep J.J. Reddick. Okay, you have to keep him in the fold uh, because, you know, you have to have shooting out there. And I think uh, if you're going to keep J.J., keep Tobias, then you let Jimmy go. Not saying that Jimmy of wouldn't fit in and he's not a good player. I just think for their system and how they want to play, I think – you, you prioritize Harris and Reddick. So there were so many highlights with Giannis out there and Joel Embiid and Ben yeah. Simmons put back dunks yeah. on Giannis, but nothing is more important than this play from Mike Scott. So Mike Scott is saving the ball <laughs> out of bounds, goes into the crowd, bumps into some humans. Yeah. So what does he do here? Now he just takes a sip <laughs> of her drink. Okay, now everyone's it's in Milwaukee. Yeah. And remember, it's about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, so everyone assumes because of Milwaukee's brewery, brewery heritage yeah. that this is a beer. No, Jack Straight, no ice. Shout out to her. Shout out. Jack Straight. Now, I love an adult <laughs> beverage. Yeah. I don't think I've had a shot of Jack before, but yeah. I've never just said, like, give me, like, a 10 count of Jack in a cup. What do you think about Jack straight in the afternoon at the game? I'm not drinking Jack, period, because <laughs> I, I, I stay away from uh, the brown liquors. But, I mean, he made a hustle play, a great hustle uh-huh. play right there. Uh, he was thirsty. Uh, I don't know if he thought it was Jack. He, he probably he thought, probably it, thought was, it was a beer or Coca Cola or, Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola. something. Yeah, he was Coca-Cola. probably surprised because you know yeah. your first sip of hard liquor is not going to hit. Very, you know, he's probably like, whoa, whoa. Hey, but when, if he takes the hit of the Jack right then and there, right, and he takes it to the head, boom, he gets back up. When does he get the buzz? Well, not much. He's a big man, but he'll, but it'll be like probably probably about forty five seconds later. He was like, oh, wow, that was. <laughs> Wow, I don't know. I don't know if I should be shooting this possession. Oh well, you know, I don't know if yeah. I should shoot this possession. Yeah. Well, there was also a big game this weekend. It was a little earlier Saturday, and Saturday and Monday morning sometimes feels like a long time ago. But this was a huge matchup in the Western Conference. The Thunder hosted the Warriors on their home floor. Yeah. The Thunder are a team that we've all kind of looked at as look. There's a couple teams out there in the Western Conference that could really test the Warriors, mm-hmm. and the Thunder did not test the Warriors yeah. on this day. Yeah. Um, Boogie Cousins actually left with an injury, which I think will have ramifications. Doesn't seem to be too hurt, but Russell Westbrook did not have a good game. Mm-hmm. 
Who do you think the biggest threat is to the Warriors at this point in the season? If, if I have to give you one team, uh, I would say the Houston Rockets. Yeah. And I think if Chris Paul is able to stay healthy with what they've added as far as in depth with Austin Rivers, the Manimal, um, Clint Capella coming back from injury, mm-hmm. uh, along with Eric Gordon, uh, I, I just see those guys being able to switch all the pick and roll stuff and when you have the the NBA's leading scorer being able to score from all three levels three point line, mid range, free throw line and get to the basket making layups that would be I think their toughest matchup it would be and I think that one of the keys the Warriors have for the success especially in a playoff series when things slow down and matchups are so important is Klay yeah. Thompson and Klay Thompson's defense mm-hmm. which he put on display on Saturday against one of the best players in the league Russell Westbrook yeah. Russell Westbrook numbers were shocking in the game I mean he, he only had a few points mm-hmm. especially when Klay was Ding him he had something like three points 0 for 12 like Klay Thompson is kind of an overlooked defender had a, had a defender reputation early in his career, but then kind of Draymond took that yeah. from him on the same mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. But Clay Thompson can shut people down. Can you see him do it, being effective against James Harden? I do, and I and I've seen him uh, be effective against a uh, a lot of elite scores. And if they don't put him on Russell Westbrook, they might put him on Paul George. Mm. So. Uh, his versatility defensive wise, I mean, he's able to guard point guards, twos. I've seen him guard threes. I've even seen him in the finals guard fours. Yeah, and switches and stuff. He yes. holds his own. Yes. He always does. And I think so. KD is also an overlooked defender as mm-hmm. well. You know, I mean, we yeah. all know what Draymond can do, but K- KD is an excellent defender. And, uh, KD's also, he's, he's got a little ESPN project called The Boardroom with yeah. him and Jay Williams yeah. and Rich Kleiman get together yeah. in a, in a business setting and yeah. chop it up on ESPN plus and, he finally addressed the Twitter burner accounts, the Instagram burner accounts. Let's listen to KD on ESPN Plus talking about the burner accounts. I wasn't used to that amount of attention, you know, from playing basketball. I wanted a place where I could talk to my friends without anybody just buttoning in my conversations or mixing my words or taking everything out of context because I enjoyed that place. How'd you come up with that idea, though? Were you like, yo, I'm just going to create this account? I'm going to start going Yeah, I mean, I had an Instagram account that um, I just used for my friends and family. And it just turned over to social media, uh, to Twitter as well. And it was just like, it was a cool place for me to just be me instead of worrying about Bleacher Report or Barstool, just mixing up anything I want to say to CJ or my friends from back home, you know. So I just try to, I guess I, I try to live a normal life out so in public, I guess. He has a burner account so he can live a normal life yeah. out in the public? Yeah. It really seemed like he used it to defend himself. Let's be honest. He's like, I just wanted a place well, where I could talk to my friends. It's like, well. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, he had some back and forth with some people about some things that, uh, they were being very critical about him mm-hmm. about. But, you know, I, I trust Katie. Katie's a good guy. He, I mean, you know, he, he wouldn't do anything maliciously to like, you know, hurt anybody. That's a good point. So, you know, I, I think it's a good fun. I'm glad he, he cleared it up. And came out and, and actually said it and not having, you know, people speculate on why he had it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad he had it. And I still think he's got a couple of burner accounts out there somewhere <laughs> that, will, that we will still discover. You can check out the boardroom on ESPN+. Plus. Now, you've, you've played for a lot of different teams. Yeah. What was it like with all that movement, you know, personally and professionally? Uh, professionally, it was good because I got to 
played with a lot of great players. Uh, personally, it sucked. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I never really, until I got to Cleveland, had a steady home. And I was always on the move. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I was still in the NBA. You're getting paid to play basketball. Yeah, getting paid to play basketball. But the moving part of it sucked. But professionally, being, being able to play with the players that I, I played with over my career, uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. You also, that's the thing, I think, when you move around a lot. Like, there's, you've got so many different players you can call your teammates. Yep. And you've got you so many different coaches. Then your coaches have coaching trees that move around yeah. and stuff. So, yeah. like, you've probably got someone in your phone from every NBA franchise, which is going to really help you if you stay in the media. Yes. You know? Which yes. is really going to help you if you stay in the media. Yes. So now yeah. that you're in the media, how do you decide what you can say into a microphone and what you can't? Because I, I know you know things. You know what? I've been speaking with my coaching hat on. Mm-hmm. What would I say against an organization, uh, against other players or whatever? I, I just watch it. It's a fine line, but, you know, I'm going to give uh, the honest truth on how I feel. But I'm going to taper it back just a little. So, I mean, you were in, you were there for the Cleveland Cavaliers championship. You were a coach for that yep. one, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when you were down 3 1, yeah. was there a little, there's got to be, a, like, just as a human being, there's got to be a little part of you that's like, oh, no, I don't know, this doesn't look good for us. You know what? We, we went down 3 1, and, and this, is, this is another thing that, you know, gets overlooked. Uh, my coach Teron Lou. After we went down three one, you know, usually you'll go watch film mm-hmm. and you know, kind of let's look at our mistakes and see how we can, you know, get back on track and win Game Five. We watched no film, so and his mindset was, you know what, we're not gonna show that. We're gonna we, we're gonna we want the guys thinking positively. Going into a, a situation where, you know, if we lose, we're going home. All right. And uh, it, it was a building that was tough for us to play. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for them, Draymond Green got suspended. Yeah. Okay. I and think people point to that too much, though. What? As what? Draymond getting suspended. It's like, oh, they won because Draymond got suspended. No, no, If Draymond no. doesn't get suspended, then the Cavs never win. Like, I feel it's like, it's like well, we could say about any game. Like, a ball bounces no. this way or that way. I mean, he also assaulted LeBron James. The crazy part about it is this, and this is what I tell people because I, I hear that a lot, too, and I'm like, come on, stop it. He played game six and seven. Yeah. And, he played well in game seven, too. Yeah, he he had a bunch of threes. Hell, yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 that, was, and that was another thing. Uh, Coach Lou did at halftime of that game. He got on LeBron James because he wasn't playing well enough, and Draymond Green was, you know, playing really, really well. And and he told him he had to step up. And shit, second half he stepped up, and man, that was the best Father's Day of my life. Oh, I bet. Man, I mean, we we popping champagne, and you know, I'm a big cigar guy. We have cigars, and and it was just. Man, it was awesome. So, okay. I want to talk about cigars. Yes. Not a cigar guy. No. Because I I, I used to smoke cigarettes a long time ago. Uh So I'm a natural inhaler. Okay. So I have trouble with that. And also they're stinky. They last too long. I feel like I enjoy a cigar for like a minute and a half. And then I've just had enough. I start to feel sick and everything. You're a cigar guy. Big cigar guy. I, I, I can leave here right now, have lunch. And just sit in a cigar lounge all day and watch TV. 
Oh, so there's one on 30th Street, you know, right on yes. 8th Avenue. There yes. you go. You can enjoy that one right yes. by the garden, which I'm sure you've probably been in there before. Yes, I love I love Soho's uh, Cigar Bar. Shout out. It's really nice. Shout out. Yeah, shout out to Soho Cigar Bar. Yeah. Well, I want to, again, thank you so much for doing the show. This is the part of the podcast exclusive. Now it's time to get the people they want. Starting to get a little warmer outside, which means a lot. It means time to switch your wardrobe, and it also means it's wedding season. You probably got two or three weddings you have to go to this summer. You can't just trot out the same old suit that you did to all last year's. And what if one of them is a black tie? You can't go out and spend thousands of dollars on a tux. Well, guess what? That's why our friends at TheBlackTux.com have exactly what you need. They have rental suits and tuxedos that you'll love wearing at your wedding or a wedding that you're attending. And here's the best part. When you go pick a style at BlackTux.com, TheBlackTux.com, you request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and the quality before you commit to wearing that suit or tux on that night. And guess what? Black Tux, The Black Tux also has showrooms all over the country where you can go and find your fit and plan your look right there. From there, they ship your order two weeks before the event so you can check on one last time to make sure that it is exactly the outfit for you. They have over 5,000 five-star reviews across Wedding Wire, The Knot, and other websites. They all agree you won't find a rental experience or designs like the ones you'll find at The Black Tux. It's the best in the business. If you want your wedding or any wedding you're attending to be remembered for the right reasons, rent your suit or tuxedo at TheBlackTux.com and enjoy $20 off with the code Jacoby. That's TheBlackTux.com, code Jacoby for $20 off your purchase. TheBlackTux.com, formal wear for the moment. Your former cohort, LeBron James, his, he's, he's in the news today and not for great reasons. Yeah. They had one of those like uh, 12 o'clock on Sunday games in Madison Square Garden. You ever played in those in your career? Yeah. It's just a weird feeling in the yeah. garden. The yeah, energy's yeah. low. It is. It's just like odd. Like every time I go there, I'm just like, this doesn't feel like a Knicks game. And they had one and they were hosting the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. The Lakers were ahead. Things were going well. And LeBron James just really went cold in the fourth quarter. Like, it, he, I think he missed 11 shots in the fourth quarter, which is the most shots he's ever missed a quarter in his career. You know, everybody has bad days, but it usually doesn't go this bad. At the very end of the game, Hazonia blocks him to essentially ice the game, not just blocks, then kind of does a little stare down thing. Yeah. What do you think about LeBron James's cold fourth quarter? I mean, it happens. Um, you know, it, he missed some shots that he normally makes, mm-hmm. and you know I just I just chalk it up to a to a bad game. I mean those those type of games happen over an eighty two game season, and and uh, you you just look forward to coming back out Tuesday night against Milwaukee and and, and trying to right the ship. Now how do you how do you motivate yourself if you are LeBron playing on this team where there, there's no longer stakes? I mean, they're not exactly tanking because there's no, it doesn't really change that much if they lose three games or win three games. But how do you get yourself up for a game right now? Every game, every second he plays, something's at stake. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a- as we're listening to all the negative criticism about, you know, what he has done or haven't done or, you know, his motivations of being in L.A. this year, you know, he, he scrutinized so much right now that every time he goes out there, he has to play his best basketball. Well, he is scrutinized a lot, and yesterday he was scrutinized by Clyde Frazier, who does, obviously, color for the New York Knicks broadcast yeah. on MSG Network. Let's listen to Clyde 
talk about LeBron while he's on the bench. When you're in the face of the NBA, I think you should be more a part of your team, folks. No matter what is going on. In the public, you got to be a part of the team. In the locker room, you're not, but you have to exhibit that type of togetherness in public, folks. And right now, we see he doesn't really care. What do you think about Walt Frazier's criticism of LeBron James's position on the bench? I'm really pissed off about it because the comments weren't warranted. Um, Clyde Frazier um, has covered LeBron twice this year. This would be the second time. And many years before that. Yeah, but for with this Lakers team mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. So how does he know his relationship with his teammates? And how he doesn't know that what LeBron did yesterday, he's done all year long, and he's done for the last four or five years with the pad. When he comes out of the game, when, when the coach said, hey, you're out, he takes the pad, he goes to the end of the bench, and he does the same thing every time. LeBron James, the last five years, has led the NBA in minutes played. Okay? So he knows his time on the bench is going to be short. So he's getting a head start. And I'm really upset about the unfair criticism from not only Clyde, but other people who has have never played with him, have never coached him, has never been his GM about a lot of character things. Mm. Okay. He's a coach killer. Uh, uh, he doesn't relate well with his teammates or, or this year has been uh, a bad year with the things that he said. Don't get me wrong. LeBron sometimes does things that he shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you're not one of those people that have been his teammate or been his coach or been the GM of the team that he was on, you don't have any reason to say the things that you're saying because they're all hearsay. Now, if you want to talk about how he's shooting from the free throw line and he's 64%, if you want to critique that, no problem. Sure. If you want to critique the fact that his three-point percentage has went down uh, three percentage points since uh, he was under my tutelage, fine, I'm okay with that. That's obviously just because you're not there. Yes, I'm okay with that. But when you start taking personal attacks at him, I have a problem with that because I played with him, I coached him, and the things that they're saying are not true. And I'm not going to sit here when I have the platform to say something about it and not address it. Well, so I'm glad you brought this up because there is this sort of coach killer reputation. Because mm-hmm. when he first got to Miami, yeah. you remember that first year, Spolstra? Yeah. Is Spolstra going to stay with the team? Is Pat mm-hmm. Riley going to coach the team? Mm-hmm. He bumped into Spolstra once, mm-hmm. and we made a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he gets to Cleveland, and yeah. David Blatt wasn't hired to be LeBron James's coach. Right. Then, obviously, Blatt was replaced by mm-hmm. Ty Lue, and you were there as mm-hmm. well during that era. Mm-hmm. And now there's Luke Walton. Mm-hmm. And people, the general consensus is that Luke Walton will not be the coach of the Lakers next year. So my two questions are this is, do you think Luke Walton will coach the Lakers next year? And what type of coach is the best fit to be a leader of LeBron James? Well, I'm going to say this before I start in answering those two questions. If you take on LeBron James, the player, the personality, and all that he brings— if you're not successful, 
then there's going to be scrutiny on a lot of people. Of course. Not just the coach. I mean, right now they're saying uh, Luke Walt's not doing a good job. Uh, Magic and Rob Palenka need to do something in the offseason to help. So everybody's taking their fair share of criticism. That's just what comes with the best player in the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, being on your team, uh, in your franchise, and that's just it. Now, will Luke Walden be the coach next year? I don't know. Um, you know, a- until, you know, uh, Magic and Rob and Jeannie, they get to get, Miss Bus, I should say, get together and, and, and decide and make a decision. Then as of now, he's still the coach. But what coach does he need? He needs a guy who's, and, and now I'm putting my coach's hat on again because I don't want to be critical of, of Luke Walton here, but he needs familiarity and he's always thrived with people that he knows mm-hmm. and people that he's comfortable a with. A lot of, a lot of people came from Miami to Cleveland along with LeBron James. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And you know what? And, and this goes back to the point of the criticizing of LeBron. And if you ask four, five of his teammates on every team that he's been on, they would say the same thing that I'm saying. How, how do you think James Jones is feeling right now as the GM of the Phoenix Suns? Do you think he would have ever got that opportunity if he wasn't with LeBron at the time that he was and won the championships? Now, don't get me wrong. James Jones is smart. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he, he has a great knowledge of the game of basketball, and I think he's going to do a great job putting that team together. So but, you mentioned familiarity. Yes. I'm going to throw the name Ty Lue out there Yes, as a potential head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. Played for the Lakers. Uh-huh. Wore the won, purple and gold. Won two championships with the Lakers. In the finals. Okay. Could you see him being the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers in the future? I'm going to say this. Okay, and I'm glad you brought this up. Whenever there's a coaching opening in the NBA, his name has to be the first name out of anybody's mouth. Okay, and here's why. He's been a coach three and a half years, head coach. Mm -hmm. He's done nothing but go to the finals. He He won a championship in 2016. Okay. Every year that he's been a head coach, yes, it's only two or three years, three and a half years or whatever, he's been in the finals. Who doesn't want to be associated with a guy that's all he's done has been to the finals? Okay. He's, he tied Pat Riley for two consecutive years of winning 10 games in a row in the playoffs. Like, and I'm not just saying this because I was on his staff. Sure. I've seen it on an everyday basis. And one thing I think nowadays that that teams need to look at, can your head coach re- relate to all 15 guys? And, mm-hmm. he, and he does that very well. And that's the reason why, whether it's the Lakers or whatever opportunity comes up, uh, in the NBA this year, his name should be the first name out of anybody's mouth. 
Damon Jones, um, so appreciative of you being on the show, but I would be doing myself and our audience a disservice if I didn't yeah. bring up the soup incident when yeah. J.R. Smith threw soup yeah. at you. It was yeah. chicken tortilla soup. We know this, but yes. I have a very important question. Yes. When this, this is what I want to know. Okay. Did he throw the soup at you or did he throw the bowl along with the soup at you? <laughs> like, did he like pour the soup on you or did he launch the bowl? Well, uh, for a long time, I, I refuse to talk about the soup incident. This is a safe space. Yeah, I mean, it's okay now because I, I've moved on. Uh, me and JR, we've talked about it and, and, you know, he apologized, but it was the bowl plus the soup. The bowl and the soup. And, and it was the first bowl out of the pot, so it was hot as Oh hell. no! Yes, it was. Oh hot. no! Very hot. So how, where did it get you? Get the chest? Uh, Were you seated? It went everywhere. No, I was standing up. Oh, you were standing time. up? Yeah, I was standing up and it hit me and shoulder, arm, everywhere. It uh, hit the wall and, I mean, it was a mess. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did he throw with his left hand or right hand? He's accurate. Uh, I don't remember. All I remember is uh, the soup was on my arm and it was hot as hell. Wow. Yeah. How long How long until you guys kind of sat and hashed it out and talked about it? I didn't, I didn't uh, need a couple of days. I would no, need a couple of days. It, it actually, it actually we, didn't, we didn't talk to each other for probably three months. Wow. Not one word. Wow. And then uh I remember it was it was uh a night after a back to back. Uh we was in Philadelphia and uh you know, we had a conversation and said, you know what? Brothers have quarrels. You know, I'm sorry, I apologize, let's move on. I mean, one of the things that you're obviously known for during your playing career is your ability to shoot the three-pointer. Mm-hmm. And you know, I would say that when you played, it was starting to happen. But now in the NBA, it has happened, the three-point yeah. revolution. What do you think about the way that that shot, and the way, well, not the shot has changed the game, just the frequency with which people shoot it has changed the game? Man, I love it. I, I, I wish that I was born maybe nine years later mm-hmm. and been able to play in this area because, you know, the three-point shot spaces the floor so much, and you're never out of a basketball game. You could be down 12 points with four minutes yeah. to go, hit two or three threes, and you're back in it. And, you know, I look back at when I played, you know, Steph Curry now, Clay Thompson, those guys are the greatest shooters I've ever seen, right? And I have to put myself in the top five. Oh, oh, we're doing yes. that. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. yes. Wow. I didn't know, I didn't know we were going to take that turn. Yeah, you got Steph Curry, you have Klay Thompson, Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, myself, and then and everybody, then just else. everybody else. Yeah, everybody, everybody else that ever played. Yeah. They, they yeah. pull up the rear. What do you think about James Harden, the way he's done the step back and distance himself from just not being at the line, being way behind the line? Man, I love James Harden game, you know, and uh, I like James as a person as well. And uh, he's doing some amazing stuff. Like, he's shooting a step back going left or right. And mm-hmm. it's tougher going left for a left-handed shooter because you have to, you know, square up and get your body. So he's worked on the shot. Uh, he's doing some impressive things. It's and, a good point. It's a misnomer. It's not really a step back, mm-hmm. what he's doing. Like He's not truly just going backwards. He's it's a step to the side. To the side. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's really a sidestep, side. but that doesn't sound nearly as cool as a step back. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Oh, top five shooter of all time right here. Yeah. Yeah, top five shooter of all time. If if I played in this era, like with Instagram and Twitter, like if they had Twitter back when I played, like man, I would be a sensation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because sometimes 
you're only on the local broadcast. Yeah. You have a great game. You know, you hit five threes or whatever, yeah. and then you yeah. know, it just, just kind of comes and goes. It's in a box yeah. score. It's in, yeah, a, that's in it. USA Today, and then there you have it. Yeah, because most times when I hit those seven threes or, or eight threes. You know, LeBron James had 50, or Shaquille <laughs> yeah, yeah, O'Neal yeah. and Dwayne Wade had amazing games, so they always overlook, you know, what I'd done. So it's okay. Well, I'm glad you're in the media. You worked with Jim Boylan a little bit, didn't you? In the, in Cleveland? No? Am I wrong about that? Jim Boylan. The coach who just got kicked out with Doc Rivers? No. No, I did oh, not. He never, was oh, not okay. there. No, well, the two of them there. got kicked out. I was yeah. just curious because they both had, got in an argument with each other and they yeah. both got ejected. Have you ever seen that before? Never. And it was crazy. I, I mean, it looked like Jim Boylan kind of was heckling Doc in yeah. some way, shape, or form, and, and both of them got thrown out again. I don't understand it. I've never seen two coaches get kicked out over and uh, back and forth and argue. I loved it. I loved it so much. Yeah. It made me happy to coach beef. You know how it goes. <laughs> well, um, so glad that you're here. You say you live in Houston now. Yeah. Right? Do you, do you still get in the gym at all to play? Should you get some shots up ever? Absolutely not. Never ever. This happens no. a lot with retired players. What? Like once you stop getting paid for it, it's like I'm done. No, I. You know what? When I was coaching, you know, I would shoot against the guys sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, always win. Actually, uh, <laughs> top and, five all the time. In horse and pig and round the world. Uh, you know, and and I've coached some really good shooters: the Kyle Corvers, the J.R. Smiths. Um, LeBron James shot the three ball well in Cleveland mm-hmm. under mm-hmm. my tutelage. Oh, okay. Okay. Throw the plug out there, D Jones. <laughs> Throw the plug out there. So now I do it then, but you know, I, I try to play. I, I've tried to play a little bit just to keep some cardio and, mm-hmm. and drop some LBs, but. Tread, I, I treadmill? Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I don't wake up in the morning and say I'm going to play ball. Anymore. So one thing that kind of surprised me, you said you love James Harden in the game. Yeah. Because I talked to a lot of, of uh, ex players and there's a lot of media members that play a lot of close attention to the NBA. And there's a faction of people that kind of split on the way that he approaches the game, especially with drawing fouls and getting to the basket and sort of like junking up the game a little bit would be a, a sort of a rude way of putting it. Right. What do you think about those people who say that the way that he draws fouls, the way he manipulates referees and the traveling on the step backs is bad for the basketball? I don't think it's bad for the basketball. And, and I think that he has mastered the art of getting to the free throw line and creating um uh, and one situations, you know, some he's been caught a couple times traveling on a step back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think as a defender, you have to do a good job of showing the referees your hands and, uh, you know, just contesting as best you can. Because as you have you as you've seen, he's had games where he's made seven or eight threes, but he's also had games where he's been 0 for 11. Yeah. So you have to be on that side. um uh, of the games when you're a defender, hopefully he's not making, and uh, you can win. Yeah, I mean, they've won some games recently, but he's been two for 11, yeah. and he hasn't been shooting yeah. great at all times. You know, And again, they've seen a lot of junk defenses thrown at him. Yeah. You saw the Lakers with their hands behind their back, yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, the Bucks one time just played him all the way left. If if someone called your phone and said, we have a seven-game series against the Rockets, mm-hmm. what should we do against James Harden? What would you say? I would say... In pick and roll situations, you trap him and make him give the ball up and and make other guys beat you because we've seen uh, the last two years that 
He's capable of beating you. Yes. So it, going into a, a seven-game series, I'm not going to let James Harden beat me. I'm going to make the other guys, the Clint Capellas. Um, P.J. Tucker from the corner. P.J. Tucker for the, you know. from the corner. You know, and it's Jill. usually not CP3 setting the screen, so you know. No, yeah. They're not doing much of that. But maybe Dan Tony, he, he, he'll see it and, and probably after game two or game three, he'll figure it out. You know, let's put Chris Paul in a pick and roll because they're trapping. Mm-hmm. And in those, in those seven game series, which you've been a part of so many times, like, tell me a little bit about the adjustments from game to game as we head into the playoffs. Well, I have to say, Coach Teron Lewis has been the greatest I've been around or I've seen at making adjustments mm. game to game. And our defense has been exponentially better in the playoffs than in the regular season. And he, he has put his stamp on it. And, you know, it's from game to game in the playoffs, you have to be willing to do different things if your initial thing isn't working. And he's been the best at it, best that I've seen. And because of it, we went to four straight finals, and we even won a championship in 2016. Now, with um, the bracket coming out yesterday mm-hmm. and Duke being the number one overall seed, there's yeah. a lot of focus on Zion Williamson. Yeah. And when you look at him, what do you see in terms of NBA potential? I don't know. I, I see a, a, a blank slate right now. Mm-hmm. And I say that to to say that, I don't know at what position he's going to be able to play because, you know, with how the power forward position has went in the last couple of years, you have to be able to stretch the floor. Yeah. And I haven't seen that consistently in a college game. Um, he won't be able to be a starting five because no. he's not big enough. He can't guard Embiid or, or Brooke Lopez or Jokic. So I, I would have to say he, he, his best position would probably be small forward, and he would definitely have to work on his. Ball I don't want to see him try to cover Paul George, though. You know, like like, yeah, but but I, I think Paul George right now is is looked upon as a shooting guard. Yeah, so he wouldn't have to guard guys like him. He would have to guard guys like uh, Kawhi Leonard or uh, LeBron James, uh, Greek Freak. Mm-hmm. You know, he would have to guard those type of guys. and No one can guard those guys. We're talking about the best players at the position, too. I mean, those guys could be guarded. I mean, yeah. uh, Zion, one thing he has is athleticism. He moves his feet well, and his vertical is, is out of the gym. So, I mean, he, he'll be able to contest those guys at the rim if he could just keep them in front of him. So, I think going forward, he, he's probably going to be a, a small forward and, and – I think he's going to excel at the next level with with the floor being more open and it's a more up and down game now with uh, teams shooting a lot of threes. Do you do you think he's a few years away from really being an impactful NBA player? Or do you think he'd come in and be impactful right away? Well, he's going to have to be impactful right away because the team that get picked number one, <laughs> yeah, the team that picks him uh, is probably you know most likely is going to be you know one of the worst teams record wise in the NBA and and they. And they need instant help. And he has to come in and, and be box office. And he has to be able to um, have the skill set to go out and, and put the team on his back to help him get wins. Now, he's obviously going to be a one-and-done player. He'll go to the draft this year. But it looks like the league is going to do away with the one-and-done rule yeah. and allow kids to come straight out of high school into the pros. Do you yeah. support that? Yeah, I do. Because, you know, w- when you've played basketball all your life and, and – 
you want to turn that into your occupation, you should have every right to do it at, you know, whatever stage that you want to do it in. And uh, I also agree that if you don't uh, go right from high school, that going to college for two years is good as well. So if you don't feel like you're ready right after high school, okay, go get two years of development with uh, a good college coach and, and, you know, then you're ready not only from a game perspective but as, on a maturity level as well. So you went to the University of Houston, right? Yes. Cougars. <laughs> We're ready, baby. Georgia State, here we come. So, so you, let me guess, you have the, you have the Cougars getting, winning their first round matchup. I got the Cougars going to the final four. Oh, oh completely unbiased, objective. Unbiased. Just, yeah, yeah, just, you're, you're an analyst. Yeah. This is just sort of like what, you know, you've been watching a lot of the Cougars yeah. basketball, so yeah. familiar. So you played three years there or four years there? I, pl- I played three years. You played three years there? Yep. Went undrafted? Yep. And then did you play somewhere else or you go, you find your way into the league the first year? I, I played in the, back then it was called a CBA. Oh, right. And I played a year in the CBA and, and, uh, with the Boise Idaho Stampede. Okay. And then, um, after one year of that, um, made it to the, uh, all-star, uh, game in the CBA. Got seen by uh, John Calipari and his staff, and mm-hmm. I was out of the CBA, and I never looked back. Nice. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate yeah. you being open about everything. Yep. You can catch Damon Jones all over ESPN. He'll be on first take later and get up early on in the week. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Man, I, I appreciate you for having me. We have the honor and the privilege of having Ryan Clark in for Jalen. Thank you so much for joining us here in the can studio. I, can, can I be honest about something? Yes, of course. So when 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 I'm at home and, I, and I'm watching the show and it comes mm. on, I have a gym, right? I mm. own a training facility. And so I'll watch and I've seen uh, Chanae, I've seen yep. Ryan Hollins, and I see all these people on the show. And I was like, dang, I'm, I'm up there a lot. Like, I'm in New York very often, and they never ask me to be on. And so when I found, when I got the text last week, like, hey, man, they want you on the well, show, I was like, it's about We get time. this a lot, and I will tell you the same thing I told Maria Taylor. I do not have a time machine. I cannot time travel. I can only be in the moment, and we're happy to have you here right now. Okay? <laughs> I'll take that answer. That's all I can do I'll right now. I, I cannot go back in time you and have you on three months ago. I, I can have you on today. We'll have you on later in the week. It's a pleasure to have you here. It. I appreciate it. Of course, we're going to start with NFL free agency since we have you here. Um, we'll start with the big names mm. that have been moved. Le'Veon Bell, mm. Odell Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown. They're each going to a franchise which hasn't exactly been Super Bowl contenders of late. Right. Which one of those three do you really expect to change the fate of the franchise? To me, it's Lev Bell. Um, you know, you look at Odell. Cleveland was the team that was trending up and ascending mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, Antonio Brown will make the Oakland Raiders better. They also get Williams to add on the other side. Yep. But Le'Veon Bell, what he can do for a young Sam Donald and an Adam Gase offense, he's a guy that you can split out. He's a guy who's a mismatch in running routes against linebackers. He gives a security blanket to Sam Donald, not only because he can run the ball and he adds to play action, but what he can do in the pass game. And this was a player they needed. And it was also a team that needed some hope, right? Yes. You know, you look at the New York Jets. They needed to find some way to be excited. Well, it was like, we got Donald. And you watch Donald play. Like, oh, right. we also need a defense uh, and right. a line <laughs> right. and a running back and, and receivers. Mosley, so, yeah. you know what I mean? yeah. And so getting Le'Veon Bell gives you kind of that hope. And that was the huge free agent signing. I felt like they needed for 
morale based on, you know, kind of what you saw happen last year. If you were in New York City and you were talking to the New York City fan base, and you would you be more excited about the Giants and Saquon Barkley or Le'Veon Bell and the Jets? I think you're more excited about Le'Veon Bell and the Jets because the Giants still have Eli, right? Like we yes. can't, like we can't forget that they're still playing with Eli Manning, a guy who's shown the last few years he's not capable of doing the job at a high level anymore. But you, like you said, you get Sam Darnold and you have that excitement of having a high pick quarterback, a guy you think is a franchise guy. You have guys like Jamal Adams leaving mm-hmm. the defense. You ask C.J. Mosley, but when you get Le'Veon Bell, a dude that's proven he can do this year in and year out, you have to be excited about that. Yeah. Well, that was sort of the biggest NFL free agency news, but the latest NFL free agency news is a little puzzling. The uh, Miami Dolphins have their quarterback. Do Ryan they really, though? Fitzpatrick. <laughs> but do they has really? He's been signed for a two-year deal. It could be anywhere between like 11 and $20 million, you know, if you take incentives into play. What exactly does this move tell you about what they're doing as a franchise? That they want to get Tua next year? Or okay. maybe they'll wait two years and get Trevor <laughs> okay. Lawrence? Okay. Um, if you look at this team, obviously you trade away – You trade away Ryan Tannehill, a guy who I didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily think you had to keep. But when you go out and get Ryan Fitzpatrick, it tells me you're still in the market for a quarterback in this draft. And if the right guy falls to the Miami Dolphins, you have to go out and get him. If you're Coach Flores and you're coming over here and you're saying, okay, I want to win this year. I want to make an impact, which you know you have to do as a head coach. You're not comfortable with Fitzmagic or Fitz. Fitzpatrick being your quarterback right now, the guy you're heading into the year as a starter. Well, there's also, you know, I pay close attention to, um, you know, very things that don't really matter on the football field, but there's some drama that's that's baked into this acquisition. Mm. You've got Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Who also <laughs> tried to trademark Fitzmagic. <laughs> now the so real Fitzmagic is on the same team. Now you got beef. Now you've got beef in the locker room. Is this going to tear the Dolphins apart? Who is hey, the real you Fitzmagic? Know you know what? It may tear them apart. You got two guys sharing a name. They both want to be Fitzmagic. Obviously, he wants to trademark this, get his own cleats. There's no way you bring that guy to the team and it's okay. But it's one of those things where it's like <laughs> the two guys have the same number. But it's another thing when you have the same name and one tried to trademark it. We'll see who ends and, up and as the, the real Fitzmagic. Right, and the other one, we give it to him, right? We Fitzmagic, we've given yes. to Ryan Fitzpatrick. So it'll but be fun to see Fitz how Magic, it works out. Fitzmagic is also just kind of like an alter ego for because we it is it is trick or treat with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right, it's feast or sure. famine. So when he's feasting, we call him Fitzmagic, and then we call him Fitzpatrick when he throws four <laughs> interceptions in a quarter, which happens you know. often. Yes, which does happen. <laughs> seems to happen all the time. Yep. Now it is time for news that matters. I have an unpopular opinion about a popular um, entree. I'm not a big fan of chicken and waffles. Okay? Why? I don't, I don't want hot sauce on my waffles, and I don't want syrup on my chicken. I just well, feel like those so, are two so, different things. So, first of all, when you get syrup on your chicken, when you're eating chicken and waffles, it's fantastic. It's it's okay. It's, it's more the hot sauce part. I really like hot sauce on my chicken. I don't want it on my waffles. See, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do it's hot like sauce sweet on and my savory. chicken, though. You don't? No. Oh, well, and you're it's, not really living life, then. Why not? Because that's what makes chicken who's, taste good. Who's seasoning your chicken then? My chicken is well seasoned. Right. So why would you need to put hot sauce on it? Because it makes it taste better. Yeah, that's like putting that's like putting like ketchup yeah, but, on eggs. Okay. Like, you can't. Well, what do about that. this though? What about this? You like chicken and waffles? You enjoy chicken and waffles? I right? do. What do you think about this? Chicken and waffle cereal. Post is releasing a limited run of chicken and waffle cereal. Not into it. Why not? 
because it's because it's not going to taste like chicken nor waffles. Yes. Right. And two, like when you eat them, even though you're eating them together, they're separate. And you can't mix them all in one bowl and think it's going to taste the same. And no. then you add like milk. milk to yeah, it. We can disagree about whether or not we like hot sauce or syrup on our chicken. We, can, <laughs> we both agree. I don't want milk on my fried chicken. <laughs> For sure. I'm good with that. Like, that's one thing we can certainly find right. at the common ground is no milk on, my on the fried chicken. chicken. <laughs> you can maybe, maybe when you put the breading on it, you dip what? it in the, whatever. But still, um, there's another thing that we have to discuss is um, footwear on planes. Okay. First off, flying here yesterday, there was a guy on the opposite side of the aisle. No, he was No wasn't. shoes at all. What? Okay. Just. Um, There's a segment that we've been what? doing on this show for years. I'm sure you're familiar with It's called Soft Move or Boss Move. I can't be like Ryan Hollis. Everything's a boss move. Okay? <laughs> I got to have a soft <laughs> move. Some of these are soft. Some of these are soft. <laughs> we start with Coach John Calipari, who did a television interview. You know, he's a big coach, and he's had a he's had a long list of great NBA players that played for him and went on to right, have great careers. Sure. And uh, he kind of just lets everybody know that that's the case because while he does this live television interview, he's got behind <laughs> him the all-star jerseys of some of the best players in the league that just so happened to go to Kentucky and play for Coach Cal. What? Soft move or boss move? This is reminding move. everybody what? of your lineage no, in the this, NBA. This is a boss move. This is him. This is this is a recruiting tool, right? So if it you're is. watching this and you're one of the top high school basketball players, you're looking at this and say, okay, these are the type of guys that go to play for Coach Cal. Hold on, though, because if you look at them, they're still cellophane wrapped on those, and three of them are not even hung up on the wall. You know what I mean? So I feel like right before this went on, he had to go get somebody like, oh, let's let's prop up some chairs. Let's get this grab this out. Because you see, those are in the garage. Right. Like those right. are not those are. He had to go from the garage and sort of like do like and a makeshift television studio, which is which is why it's a boss move though. The right? Derrick Rose one back there, so that's on the wall. The problem is like you still can't take that away from him. That those are his guys, and so it's a, it's a boss move. It's the same way when Nick Saban uh, sits his rings on the table in front of him when he's talking to recruits. <laughs> yes, yeah, you know, he what really mean? does that. He does that. That's a little. That's a bit much. It works for Pat Riley. I mean, you can be a bit much when you won six championships. I guess you can. I guess you can. I'm gonna go soft move. You're going boss move. The next one is Isaiah Thomas, who's currently with the Nuggets, sort of like falling out of the rotation. Things aren't going great for him. And he's just thinking about, just thinking back to the better days Mm -hmm. when he was in the Celtics and he was on the the outskirts of the MVP conversation. Right, right. And he professed that he will always love the Celtics. Professing your eternal love for a team that traded you, soft move or boss move? I'm a big Isaiah Thomas fan, Mm -hmm. but it's a soft move. Was that right? Because 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 it's it's now coming at at a point in your career where you feel like you need to find a way to be loved, right? Yeah. You need to find a way to make people look at you and say, okay, this is a guy that I like. This is a guy that I care for. This is a guy I'm rooting for because of where your career is. If you go to Cleveland after you leave Boston and ball out, this is not a conversation. Not at all. This isn't something you say. And so for him, it's almost like, man, I, I was at my highest point. With this team, now I'm almost out of the league. I've fallen out of the rotation. They've moved me out. Now I need to say something to get me back in good graces somewhere. It's like I, I, I root for him so hard because it's so much fun, especially because of his size and his right. game is so exciting. But like in Cleveland, it didn't stick. I remember he was on, he was on the Lakers. And I was thinking like, mm-hmm. oh, you know what? The Lakers, they're not even competing to get in the playoffs. It's right. be fun they to get him some minutes. Like, let's see what happens there. It didn't even really come together for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And on the Nuggets, I was like, you know what? They've got their starting backcourt, Jamal and Gary. They're, they're depth, you know, they're not going to challenge for one of those positions. Right. He had depth. But against the second unit, 
You know what I mean? Against right. like the other team's second unit, maybe he can get some buckets and sort of be like a Lou Will, Jamal Crawford off the bench kind of mm-hmm. a score. It just hasn't happened for him. Well, you know, I, I think like that, that that just doesn't happen. And you made a good point when we were off air just talking about how being in the right situation, people setting things up for you mm-hmm. to succeed is important. And he hasn't found that type of chemistry anywhere else. He hasn't. He hasn't. But we're rooting for him. I really think he's going to come back. I hope so. And I also think that like, uh, cause it makes me feel better about giving Damon Jones buckets. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like Isaiah Thomas <laughs> is to Ryan Clark what Ryan Clark is to Damon Jones. You've been, you and Damon Jones have been talking trash to each other all day long today and I'm here for it. I hope you're both back tomorrow. Now this was, there was a huge game between the Bucks and the Sixers yesterday mm-hmm. on ABC. It was like a playoff preview and a playoff atmosphere. 52 for Giannis, 40 for Joel Embiid, win right. for the Sixers. But I really want to talk to you about this play from Mike Scott. He's a hustle play, always a boss move. Jumps into the crowd. I believe he saved the you ball. Uh, and then we, we here don't he goes. Know that lady. He we grabs a cup and gra- takes a sip from the cup. So, this caused a lot of tension between the staff of Jalen and Jacoby. Is this a soft move or a boss move? This is a soft move. Why is that? Because you don't drink out of other people's what if, cup. What about this, though? It says, Jack straight, no ice. See, we assumed that that was beer because it was Milwaukee. <laughs> right. But the Jack, the alcohol might kill the germs. No. You, first of all, you don't know that lady, right? No. You don't know where her mouth's been. No. Right? So you don't drink out of her drink. And if I'm that lady, you for sure, you would, you you are a, you are a professional hooper. You're on the road all the time. Uh-oh. You are not drinking out of my drink. Period. Point oh, blank. I have a lot like, of follow-up questions. She she had to toss that drink afterwards. Do you there think she no went way. to somebody and was like, can I get another one? You like, have can I get to. another one? Someone, First of all, a stranger just drank out of my drink. Low, a ask. stranger. I don't care that he hoops. He's a stranger. Right? Like, my wife doesn't drink after our kids. Right? Like, one of our kids. <laughs> if one of our kids <laughs> takes own children. Of, her own children. They're blood. They came from her. <laughs> yes. She ain't drinking after them. Had dude drank out of my wife's drink, she would have lost her mind. She would have asked for a refund. She got kicked she out. She wanted extra tickets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you can't do that. So, man. what about this? Soft move or boss move? Ordering Jack straight, no ice at like four o'clock in the afternoon boss on a move. Sunday. Straight. I like boss it. Move. She was just like, I just, I just, she's like, don't even give me ice. No, no, no ice. No hey, lemons. No lemons. There, there's not even happy hours on Sunday, but she was having it herself. I like it. Jack straight, no ice. Shout to her. All right. Now, because it was St. Patrick's Day yesterday, we have to have Conor McGregor in the show. He went into Boston, and he gave a little pregame speech to the Boston Bruins before they took the ice. Let's listen to the Notorious as he gets the Bruins fired up for the game. What's up, Boston Bruins? Yes. When I say Boston, you say strong. Boston! Strong! Boston! Strong! Boston! Strong! Yes! Who's the captain? Get this puck when I drop it. This is your puck. This is your arena. Look, I love it. Who's the enforcer? All of you. Every one of you are the enforcers. Take these people out. Take no prisoners. Let's go, Boston Bruins. Let's go, Boston Bruins. Okay. Having a celebrity give a pregame speech to a team, soft move or boss move? Because it's Conor McGregor, it's kind of a because boss it's Conor McGregor on St. Patty's Day. Yeah, it's but a boss like, move. He's so well known, but I'm sure like it, it gets to a point of celebrity where something like, after he leaves, people look at each other like, "Who's that guy again?" No, not like, no, like no, they, they know they who, know who, who dude he is. is. They know who, but dude like is. yeah, because he's kind of like he's he's hey, that notorious. But, but also too, they was like, so this dude's giving the speech yeah, before the game. Like, and two though, like if he says, "Who's the enforcer?" and he's like, "All of you." You know what I mean? You're kind of yeah. excited about that because dude got hands. He does. Like, you know, you can say a lot about him, 
But dude got hands. One he can't thing throw I loved football. about this video of Conor McGregor is because I always thought he kind of walked around like this just when he was in the octagon. Or that's take, who he is. Like he's like oh, 24-7. I feel like he, <laughs> he just walks is. around with his chest out yeah. like he's prancing. And this is your pook. Yeah, you know, this is your pook. <laughs> I was like, is that a swear? Do we have to bleep that? Right, Can you say pook? I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing. <laughs> he's like, this it's, is it's your also, pook. It's not even like it's not even like he's dropping it in the actual game. No, it's, a, it's a ceremonial. It's a one. ceremonial. He wants pook. he wants he wants the captain to grab the pook. <laughs> Finally, I take my shoes off the second I get on a plane. Okay, because my feet swell, uncomfortable. I always take my shoes off when I get on a plane. And on a Ryanair how, flight how in Scotland. I'm 150. A Ryanair <laughs> flight in Scotland, a woman took her shoes off, mm-hmm. and she was walking to the bathroom mm-hmm. with her shoes off. Okay. Another man on the flight got upset with her for doing so and turned into a fight, a physical fight, a bloody fight between her boyfriend and this man. Soft move or boss move, going to the bathroom in socks on a plane. It's I mean, this, this is a soft move, and here's why. People can't aim. Okay. Right. You know, so you're in the bathroom. Like I've been in the bathroom before. It's shaking. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, turbulence. You know, like turbulence. Yeah, I've, I've definitely had to clinch my core. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah you, you know what I'm saying? So I had to clinch my core to stay on point. Okay. With okay. what I was doing. Shout to you. Right. So I'm not going to go into the bathroom in my socks because there's no telling what I might step in. So I'm lazy. I go to the bathroom on planes in my socks. But here's my argument. I, I, I do a I survey the floor. Okay. I survey the floor. So, and so I, you I, have I position myself, I position myself very carefully. <laughs> this is just because I'm lazy. And the staff has threatened to walk out on the show because I made this confession. Yeah, that's Earlier gross. today. I'm, I'm. Do you respect me the same before you found out this information? You know, I actually kind of respect you more because that means you give zero. Like you yeah, have zero I, yeah, to give. Yeah, I don't, I don't whatsoever. <laughs> Now, you had a long, excellent NFL career in the secondary. You know all about the matchups between the wide receivers and the secondary players and the back and forth Mm -hmm. and the trash talk. But there is no bigger beef-filled matchup (laughs) than Michael Crabtree and Aqib Tlaib. They brought chain snatching to the National Football League. Right, right, right. On the field. Chain snatching. My mama gave me that chain. Yes, and this really, this felt like, it seemed like every time they played each other, they both got kicked out in like the first quarter. Like, do you remember how big this particular fight yes, got? I do. Now we're throwing punches with helmets off. Like, they have a long history of really, really not liking each other. We've got an update. That is the two of them outside of a go-kart place in Texas, where Michael Crabtree was there with his group and his family. Aqib Talib comes in with his group and his family. Everyone's, you know, according to TMZ, everyone's concerned about it. And the two come outside and hash it out. What, what do you think about this? I think, first of all, everyone should have been concerned, right? Yes. It, because if I watched what we saw from the outside looking at those guys, I would think this is never going to be over. Like, mm-hmm. they actually threw punches. But I think this is a good thing. I think it's also a good thing that it's being covered, that we get an opportunity to talk about it because what happens on the field needs to stay there, right? If these guys go to the go-kart spot and they have beef and they're getting into Kids it, around. It's, it's now spilled and, and it's become a bigger thing than just football. So for me, I'm excited that 
they were man enough, right? They were adult enough to talk about this, get it done, and actually go outside and have a conversation. Not just have the elephant in the room like I'm going to avoid him, yeah. but actually Respect, have the conversation. Because you know you're going to spend an hour and a half there looking at each other, not right. looking at each other, right. wondering, and the families are kind of like, do we have to leave? No, I'm not going to leave. Well, are they going to leave? <laughs> right. No, I'm not going to leave. Right. It's actually, this actually is like a heartwarming story. No, it they're really grown, is. They're professionals. They're mm-hmm. successful in their own right, and they went outside and just kind of talked it out. And I, th- I think that was the good thing. I'm sure a woman got involved at some point, yeah. though. But also, did. they're still going to fight next time they play each other. 100%. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's okay now because now we know it's about the field, right? Yes. Now we know they only have that beef there. It's not something that will spill off because if I am if I am Tlaib, if I am Crabtree, and we actually took swings at each other, mm-hmm. my thought would be, hey, man, every time I see this guy, it's on I have to be on, on alert, right? Yes. You know, like it's, it's a saying, right? Eye contact gets you instant beef. Yes. And that's what I thought it would be with them. So it's good. They hashed it out. One thing I loved about this so much is just like, it's like they're grown, they're adults, they're leaders of their families. They mm. go outside and they work it out. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, they're probably still going to get in a fight next time they're playing. 100%. Like, oh, 100%. Um, here at the Seaport, it's always a lively atmosphere. You know, the high noons from here, get up and first take and Jalen and Jacoby and Katie Nolan show. It's just like a nice atmosphere here. But you to dominated the entire building this morning by arguing with Damon Jones about a one-on-one <laughs> game. It's, it's, I hear you guys coming around the corner arguing about it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of insults and accusations going back and forth. Why, why has this been so intense for you? Well, because first of all, he said I was Kyler Murray's height, which is false. Yeah, you're he, at least like a, a millimeter taller than Kyler. <laughs> and, and, and Damon's never been like a defensive player though. No, he's a three point shooter. I didn't say he, I would beat him. I said I could oh. get, I said I could get buckets. And that's all I'm saying. Like, he, Oh, wait yeah. a second. You never said you would beat him? I never said I'd beat him. Cause he's a, he's an NBA player. Like, yes. I respect professionals. Yeah, they wake up right? every day and play basketball wake up for every years day and, and years basketball. and years. Like, I would play with guys at LSU who on the court in their real games were just okay, who were excellent pickup basketball oh, players. Of course. Right. So I get that. But what I'm saying is he can't stop me from scoring. Like, I'm going to score points. I'm going to shoot layups on Damon Jones. He's not Tony Allen. He ain't Patrick Beverly. Like, no. I'm going to get buckets. And so he has this whole thing that he's 6'6", which is a lie. Like, you guys were walking together in the hallway. You're taller than him. Yeah. We're the same height. He might have, That's like, even he might worse. have like an eighth of an inch on me. Yeah. Right. The, the fact that we can have that discussion means he's not 6'6", though. He's not 6'6". Right. And no. never, there's well, never, no NBA player is, but they're listed. Right. But there's never been any time... Jacoby, you were watching Damon Jones play, and you got, he was like, hey, man, Damon Jones locks up. No. He's going to get buckets, bro. And I'm in better shape than he is. What's your, what's your one-on-one strategy against someone like Damon Jones? Oh, just take it to to the basket. Just take it to him. Yeah, just take it. He he, he claims he's going to let me shoot, so I got to get to the mid-range. You know, I'm more like a D-Wade. Oh, I'm a D Wade. I'm a a D Wade type guy. I'm a mid-range jumper. Remember Joe Forte from North Carolina? That's more my game. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm not a guy that's going to that's sit your, in the outside. What's your, what's your professional comp? Dwayne Wade? It's Dwayne Wade. Dwayne sure. Wade. You're just, a little better, just though. Four inches shorter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shorter. <laughs> People always ask me, like, what's my professional comp? I've got the best answer. Rebecca Lobo. <laughs> Rebecca Lobo, post player. Hey, Rebecca Lobo the post. game, bro, bro. Buckets. Buckets <laughs> yeah, on buckets. Yeah, game, I've never, I, haven't, I know we worked together, but I've never like, literally, like, met her. I can't wait to tell her that. She's taller than you. Yeah. yeah she's she's actually taller she than Damon Jones. buckets. She got Buckets. Everybody that goes to UConn gets buckets, man. That's right. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining the show. Damon Jones, Ryan Clark, and of course, don't forget to call 985-80-Jalen to leave us a voicemail. Hit us up on Twitter, on Instagram. Jalen Rose will be back tomorrow. We're not done. Why is that KRS?
done. We're not done. Speaking of the hobbits, let's talk about LeBron. All I care about is my nipples. Seriously. <laughs>